Pastors Larry and Tiz Huck welcome you to this weekly Torah study from New Beginnings Church in Bedford, Texas, taught by Pastor Scott Sigmund. We pray this message will help you better understand how God's Old Testament wisdom and New Testament revelation are meant to jointly fit together. I want to take uh, time this morning in Torah study to teach about some of the divine secrets about Yom Kippur you never knew about. Amen. Because people ask us, well, why do we care about these things? Because there's revelation and wisdom that connect to our redemption. What has been, what has been blood bought in our lives? What's the height, the width, the depth, and the breadth of what God has done? Uh, if all you have is, well, Jesus loves me, that's good enough. But how many of us, you wouldn't be here today or listening uh, if you uh, just uh, wanted to stay at Jesus loves me, this I know, because the Bible tells me so level. We want to go beyond that. That's good enough. That'll get you into heaven. Maybe by the, uh, what do they call that? By the hair on your chinny chin chin. But that's good enough. But, you know, if we're going to be around for a while, uh, let's learn. Right? Let's study to show ourselves approved. And so, tonight is the Day of Atonement. And uh, one of the things that's going on here is embedded in all the holidays is God's plan of redemption. And everything that God gave in the Old Testament uh, wasn't uh, stupid. Oh, why did God do all of that? It's just stupid. Let's send Jesus and eliminate it all. I mean, how ridiculous is that? But that's been the church's mindset. Actually, everything points to the Messiah. And Yom Kippur points to the Messiah. It's the Day of Atonement. And if uh, I learned this years ago in Bible college back in the 80s, uh, atonement means at one To atone means at one. Atone. At one. That's God's desire. To be at one with you and I. How good is that? Come on. Not much legalism in it, is there? It's just the goodness of God. And uh, so God uh, desires that we attain that feeling every day when we wake up. We feel like we're at one with God. And so uh, that means that we're reconciled with God. That means that we've received God's amazing grace. That means that God's unlimited mercy, is God's mercy fresh every day? Yeah. People would have you focus on how bad it is. God is saying, you're at one with me. I'm not mad at you. The wrath of God is not in your future. I want you to have amazing grace every day. Unlimited mercy every day. Your sins are forgiven. The curses are broken. The blessings from the covenant are released. That's Yom Kippur. That's the good news of Yom Kippur. The slate is wiped clean. We're going into a new year. Rosh Hashanah, the head of the year. Uh, And so this, you know, it's like 
uh, your whiteboard is completely white. The stain of all the work that was done that might not have been godly, all of that is washed away. And now we're entering into a new year and a new beginning. So one of the secrets that uh, uh, we studied during Yom Kippur, can't get to everything, there's just so much, but uh, we'll try to get to as many of these as we can, is that uh, God ordained for the year of Jubilee, the 50th year, to be proclaimed on Yom Kippur. Uh, And uh, Jubilee is God's appointed time for spiritual liberty, right? It's a time for financial freedom, Jubilee. God wants to release these things over his people. The name Jubilee is from the Hebrew word Yovel, which means ram's horn. Blow the trumpet in Zion. We've studied about the shofar. It's a wake-up call. And in this case, uh, on the 50th year, it's a wake-up call that God is doing something very, very special. He's setting the captive free. And it's proclaimed on Jubilee. Uh, the Jewish Encyclopedia, talking about Jubilee, says it serves Jubilee as a statue of limitations. Praise God. It's like a bankruptcy law for the poor. In discharging every liability for debts that were contracted. And it enables that person to start a new life on equal footing with his neighbor. Without the fear that his future earnings will be seized by his former creditors. Jubilee. Yom Kippur is a shadow and type of Jubilee. And then every 50th year the Jubilee happens and it's proclaimed, announced through the blowing of the shofar on Yom Kippur. So even tonight as we go into Yom Kippur, the symbol, the shadow, the type, what this is all pointing towards is that these blessings can be appropriated by you and I through faith. I believe that. (laughs) If you believe that, shout amen. Amen. If you receive that, shout amen. Amen. You might not have known that it was on Yom Kippur and probably a Jubilee year when Jesus declared what's written in Luke 4, verse 18. Go over there. Luke 4.18, you know it well. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Come on. Because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. There it is. Statue of limitations is kicking in. Beelzebub. Cast Beelzebub out of here. Right? He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. Yom Kippur, Jubilee, Luke 4.18. To proclaim liberty to the captives. Those that sin are slaves to sin. John 8, right? And so what... 
Christ has done. He's come as our Yom Kippur sacrifice. He's come, as it says, to do all these things and recovery of sight to the blind to set at liberty those who are oppressed. And then verse 19, this is the connection specifically to proclaim the jubilee year, the acceptable year of the Lord. So our faith in God, our understanding of Yom Kippur and its relationship to Jubilee connects us with all these promises. Now here's the rub. All of these promises just don't happen by osmosis, (laughs) right? We enter into them by faith. Faith has to have works. There needs to be a profession of your faith. You need to declare the promises of God. You need to kick into that prophetic mode just in your prayer times. And you need to be marching to the beat of God's drum. I declare I am set free. I declare every sin is forgiven. Every curse is broken. Every blessing is released. I bind every work of darkness. I bind poverty. I bind sickness. I bind brokenheartedness. I bind every oppression, every depression, every enemy. I break its power through the Yom Kippur sacrifice and enter in to the covenants of God. Boom. Praise God. Hallelujah, Lord. So we, you know, that's just part of fighting the good fight of faith, working to see those promises manifested. You know, I wish we could just rub our Bible and Will Smith popped out. Aladdin. Have you seen the new Aladdin with Will Smith? Yeah, you know, but Will Smith ain't popping out of the Bible. You're not going to get three wishes and your first wish is a million wishes. you got to fight the good fight of faith. And having done all to stand, keep standing. And if you do get knocked down, get back up. There's not a sin being knocked down. The sin is being staying down, staying depressed, staying oppressed, staying uh, in bondage. Even in the midst of a sickness, you can have victory. I know a lady uh, named Tiz Huck, as example, who's gone through some things. How many of you are going through and you've been through some things, but you didn't let the devil have the satisfaction that he knocked you out for the count? Uh Uh-uh, devil. I'm going to keep fighting till my last breath. If I translate into the kingdom of heaven for all eternity, I'm going in the head and not the tail, above only and not beneath. Right? Now here's another divine secret of Yom Kippur and its connection to Jubilee in a prophetic sense is that uh, what occurs during Jubilee, which again announced on Yom Kippur, is a shadow and a type of the final redemption. This is our future. We know history in advance. We already know what's going to happen and it hadn't happened yet. Right? Right? 
There's a final redemption. There's a Sabbath millennium. There's a new heaven and new earth that's coming. Right? And it's going to be God's strong hand. Right? That's going to move it this time to restore and return the world to its rightful owner. That's why the world is tribulating. Because the world's not going to want to let go. Powers and principalities are not going to want to let go of its authority that it's imposed on planet earth. And God is saying, you got no choice. I delegated this for 6,000 years to mankind. And I said, you take dominion. You take authority. You occupy until I return. And of course, the prince of the power of the air, all the world system, all the powers and principalities and spiritual wickedness in high places, all of that has been working for 6,000 years since the Garden of Eden to build up like a, a stronghold against the plans of God. That's why we're, we're always fighting through, to break through to the next level, right? But then at the end, when the tribulation hits, that's the world fighting back against God, rebelling against God's plan, but it's a jubilee. The Feast of Trumpets has sounded. It's announcing there's a new sheriff in town. A new world government, a one world government, a one world religion, a one world economic system, not built on the Antichrist plan, but built on the plans of the Lord Jesus Christ and God the Father, Jehovah God Almighty. And that's what we see going on at that time. It's a jubilee. So when you studied Revelation, don't get swept away into 666 and the mark of the bee. All of that will happen. And, you know, uh, uh, but the main thing is God is saying, it's all coming back to me. And when you go into the millennium and then the new heaven and the new earth, uh, you're going to go in with restitution, restoration, Freedom and liberty in every single way. God is saying there might be a a lot less law and order right now. But when I come back and institute all of this, there's going to be divine law and order. Divine rule is going to be reestablished. All the enemies are going to be eradicated. It's going to be like Orkin Man came in and sprayed all the enemies. And we're going to be liberated from the bondage of the world system. Forever. That's eternity. Amen. Yom Kippur. Things are going on on Yom Kippur. And uh, we grew up with the Hanna-Barbera version. If we even had that. We didn't even know Yom Kippur was meant for us. I didn't know Talits and Mizulis and Yom Kippers were meant for us. What are those things? Well, look, you can do and learn as much or as little as you want. Yeah. 
That's kind of the bargain with the Gentiles, Acts 15. As much or little as you want. But why restrict yourself? If God's got more, why not learn it? Right? So we all know and love Rabbi Daniel and Susan Lappin. And uh, he has a great website and an email and teachings you can connect to. I encourage you to do that. Years ago, he taught us a powerful insight about Yom Kippur and Jubilee out of Leviticus 23. And it's in this passage in Leviticus 23 that God introduces Yom Kippur. And Yom Kippur in the ancient Hebrew isn't written as you might suppose. And Rabbi Lappin says when you see it in the original Hebrew, it's written as Yom Kippurim. Who kind of knows where we're going here? Yom Kippurim. Purim. Wow. Thank you, Rabbi. Because... When you study this out, all of a sudden, like we were saying, all of a sudden the height, the width, the depth, and the breadth of God's plan of redemption for our lives just kind of takes a giant leap forward. Right? All of a sudden, I realize there's more breakthrough and blessing than I ever understood. The Lord ordained Yom Kippur to be like a day unto Purim. That's what it means. A day unto Purim. Talk about a double blessing. Whatever God gave for Yom Kippur is now doubled up with Purim. And this is double blessing time today, folks. Now we know Purim, story of Queen Esther. It's a story of miracles. It's a story of divine intervention. I don't know about you, but I love divine intervention. I love when things get out of control and the devil thinks like he's got me right where he wants me. My God is working behind the scenes and he's saying, uh-uh, devil, you might think you're going to hatch a plan against my son, my daughter, but not today, not any day. Because I am almighty God. I order the steps of my people. You have no dominion and authority in their lives. And on a day like Purim, I turn stories upside down. That's the revelation. Haman got that evil decree passed, right? But God was working behind the scenes to turn the story upside down. He had a jubilee plan to reverse every curse and release every blessing. That's the life-changing power of the appointed time we're in right now. Come on, somebody. Woo! Amen. So Yom Kippur represents many things. Uh, It represents, it's the shadow, the type, the forerunner of the second coming of Jesus. Each feast of the Lord is a shadow of God's plan for redemption. You've heard Pastor Larry talk about this. The spring holidays, remember the chart he's been putting up? The spring holidays focus on the redemption that came with his first coming, 
at Passover and uh, the uh, Feast of First Fruits, and then into uh, Shavuot, uh, Pentecost, 50 days later. The fall holidays, which we're in right now, focus on God's plan of redemption for the second coming. Okay? And that begins, we've learned, Elul, the month of the shofar, prepare yourself, prepare yourself. It's time for teshuvah. Don't get caught doing the devil's business. Be about your father's business. Elul represents the birth pangs. We've heard about Messiah. What are the signs of your coming during Elul? So while all you see the world building up and building more and more with wars and rumors of wars, earthquakes and pestilence and all the problems that come into all of that, all of a sudden uh, those birth pangs lead you right into the Feast of Trumpets. Right? And we just celebrated Rosh Hashanah, the Feast of Trumpets. That's a shadow of the rapture. Now there's many you know, theological and doctrinal debates over, is it a pre-trib, a mid-trib, a post-trib? Is there even a uh, rapture at all? So different groups, different strokes for different folks. As for us here at New Beginnings, we believe that it's a pre-tribulation rapture. Noah didn't have to swim to the ark. Where's the lifeguard, Lydia? (laughs) They didn't throw out a lifeboat and hope you make it. The seven days between Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur is a shadow of uh, the tribulation. The uh, the 70th week of Daniel. Now, many people believe that's when the wedding supper of the Lamb takes place. Others believe it's when Sukkot happens at the end of the thousand years. But uh, 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 Yom Kippur happens at the end of that seven years. And it's a shadow of the second coming of the Messiah, the second coming of Jesus. And that's, what, uh, that's where the battle of Armageddon happens. We've been, we've been raptured, we've been in heaven for seven years, uh, having a great old time. You didn't, you didn't uh, grow a big belly, get a harp, and get a cloud for all of eternity. We come back as the army of God behind the Lord uh, uh, at the end of the seven years, the second coming, Yom Kippur, the day of at one the day where God sets it all right. This is when we make it all right. And the thousand year reign begins. That's that Sabbath millennium, right? And then the four days between Yom Kippur and Sukkot, which is the Feast of Tabernacles, immediately tomorrow night in Jerusalem when Yom Kippur Uh, And this will happen around the world. But immediately when Yom Kippur is done, guess what uh, our Jewish brothers and sisters begin to do? Build a sukkah. 
immediately transition to the Feast of Tabernacles, Sukkot. And they're busy for those next days getting everything ready for the seven-day festival of tabernacling with the Lord, the Feast of Tabernacles. This is when uh, this represents going into the Sabbath millennium when we'll tabernacle with the Lord forever. Amen. Right? This is when I believe we'll finally experience the fullness of the redemptive name of Emmanuel. Emmanuel. God with us. He's with us now. He'll never leave us or forsake us. But at that point, we're going to see him as he is. (laughs) It's hard to understand and get your mind around all of this, but it's history in advance. It's all part of God's master plan. Amen? Secrets of Yom Kippur that we never knew about. On Yom Kippur, one of the key artifacts is the Ark of the Covenant. Uh, This is when Indiana Jones goes into the Holy of... Oh, no. (laughs) Don't look! Raiders of the Lost Ark, in case you're wondering, what the heck's he talking about? (laughs) But once a year, the high priest would enter the Holy of Holies. And he would sprinkle the blood of the sacrifice on the mercy seat. The mercy seat. How many times? Seven. And that was to release the blessing of God, the forgiveness And the covenant promises. This is the shadow of things to come through Yeshua. That picture out of Leviticus 16, maybe Pastor will get into some of that in his teaching today, uh, is a picture uh, and a shadow, a type, the proto of what uh, God would do through Yeshua. And it's important to realize the significance of why God called the covering over the ark the mercy seat. Because this is what ultimately God wants to do in our lives. Show mercy. Look, I understand. When I first got saved, I wasn't showing anybody any mercy. I went after my family like they were sinners going to hell and I was going to help them. You evil, wicked people, change your ways, turn or burn. So me, who had just received amazing grace and everlasting loving kindness, suddenly got all legalistic and harsh and brutal and was sending my family to hell. We're still doing that as a church. God did that to punish you. And there is, you know, there is a part of that. But that can't be, it's the goodness of God that leads men to repent. So we can't be using a baseball bat to convert people. You and Antifa are just too much alike. There's an old saying from Bible college, grace is getting what you don't deserve. Mercy is not getting what you do deserve. (laughs) You deserve something. We all deserve something. Why? Because the wages of sin is you get what you deserve. 
So you better have an advocate. You better understand how to get out from under that death sentence. J-E-S-U-S. He's my Lord and King. Now the mercy seat covers the ark. And in Hebrew, uh, it's known as kaparet. Or kaparot. This is where the word kippur comes from. The day of atonement, Yom Kippur. Kaparet. It comes from a root word, kafar. And it means covering. Mercy seat means covering. And it's no coincidence that this Hebrew word kafar is the very word that is used to describe the pitch that Noah used to seal the ark so it wouldn't sink. He covered the ark with a pitch so that his boat wouldn't go under. So God is showing us Yom Kippur is a time when he wants to seal you in salvation. He wants to seal you in his blessing. He wants the forgiveness of God, the mercy of God to be sealed in your life. And not only you, you and your household. You and your household. It's time the church starts flexing its prayer muscle and just stop praying for your, what you want. I want a new car. I want a new house. I want some new clothes. Pray for that. But what about your, your family and their soul? Have you ever taken the time to call them out of darkness and into the kingdom of Jesus? Oh, I'm too busy shopping at Nordstrom. I got to take advantage of my prime Amazon prime account while I... We'll do all of that. Have fun doing that. But make sure that you don't miss the opportunity to say, Devil, I bind you from deceiving my family. I release the salvation and repentance and forgiveness of God over my loved ones, over my children, my grandchildren, my nieces, my nephews, my aunts and uncles, all of my cousins, all of my extended family, all of my friends from high school and college, guys I played football with, loosen salvation. Loosen deliverance and seal them in the name of Jesus. Right? That's part of why there's so, so many cool prayers. We prayed the uh, Our Father, Our King prayer at early morning prayer. Ave Nu Malkenu, our Father, our King, that declares uh, during the high holidays the will of God over our lives. It's a great prayer. And we accomplish atonement, not just for ourselves. We're probably all doing pretty good and we're going to make it. But those that got one foot in hell and the other one on a banana peel, they need us interceding. It's like a tug of war for their soul. And that's where fasting comes in. Is not this the fast I have called you to? Pastor touched on that heavily on Friday night, Isaiah 58. So, you know, this all is, builds up to why Yom Kippur should not be seen so much as a day of judgment when we have to face the whole truth and nothing but the truth. 
Because if the truth be told, we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. If the truth be told, if you're listening on the podcast or CD, I'm making one of those yikes faces. Holy schmoly. Holy shnikes, Tommy boy. No, we've all sinned. No one can stand before God and say, well, I really didn't need Jesus. I, I was able to be righteous on my own. Okay. But it's a day where love triumphs. It's a solemn time, but it's also a time where we realize God is merciful. And he could have thrown the book at me, but that's not his plan to throw the book at me. He's merciful and lenient. And especially because we've approached him with sincere prayer and an attitude of repentance. And this is what's pictured when the high priest would enter the Holy of Holies with the blood of the sacrifice and he would apply that blood to the mercy seat. And what that would demonstrate is that the relationship with God that's been broken by sin has been restored. Atonement, atonement. He atones Now we're at one. We're reconciled. There is therefore now no condemnation. I ask the Lord to forgive me sincerely, and he does. How many times will he do that before he runs out of patience? He doesn't run out of patience. Seven times 70 multiplied by seven times 70 by as many times now hopefully we learn our lesson and we keep keep, uh, stop doing stupid things because you don't want to take the grace of god uh, for granted do we and all of this is possible because of the power of the blood Because without the shedding of blood, right, there is what? No forgiveness. If you go through Hebrews 7, 8, 9, and 10, lots of things uh, talk about Yom Kippur and points us towards Messiah. Here's just an example in Hebrews 9. It's kind of lengthy. It's from the uh, living, uh, New Living Testament. Verse 22, Hebrews 9, 22. In fact, we can say that under the old agreement, almost everything was cleansed by sprinkling it with blood. And without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. This is why the sacred tent down here on earth and everything in it, all copied from the things in heaven... All had to be made pure by Moses in this way, by sprinkling with the blood of animals. But the real things in heaven, of which these things down here are copies, were made pure with far more precious offerings. 
For Christ has entered into heaven itself to appear now before God as our friend, our advocate. It was not in the earthly place of worship that he did this, for that was merely the copy of the real temple in heaven. Nor has he offered himself again and again, as the high priest down here on earth offers animal blood in the Holy of Holies each year. If that had been necessary, then he would have to die again and again ever since the world began. But no! He came once and for all at the end of the age to put away the power of sin forever by dying for us. What a mighty God we serve. Right? Now God's, just let me add, God's not saying everything that was happening up until that time was the stupidest thing man could ever build a temple, sacrifice animals on Yah. What on earth are you idiots thinking? No, that was all God's plan. God ordained that. God instituted that. And they obeyed it faithfully. Israel obeyed it faithfully for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years. Thank you, Israel. Thank you, Jewish people, for being faithful to the covenant of God. Because that's what was meant to point everybody towards something even greater. And that's just all part of the glorious plan of God's uh, redemption. Now here's something interesting, another secret. When, when the high priest entered the Holy of Holies, he brought more than blood. What's that all about? He brought incense. Hmm. Incense, as I was studying this, incense like perfume. I'm not a real big perfume guy, although every Christmas I go to Macy's perfume counter and I'm shopping and which, which one of these comes with extra gifts? Right? Uh, Chanel number five got extra gifts? Nice hundred dollar bag to go with it. Okay, I'll take that. <laughs> that's not Yom Kippur secrets, that's Christmas secrets. <laughs> but uh, incense like perfume is made with uh, ingredients that have a pungent odor. Hmm, wonder why, where is this going? That pungent odor is meant to be like an accelerant that is masked with a sweet fragrance to cover up the bad scent and transform it into a sweet-smelling incense. What's this telling us? It's telling us that at Yom Kippur and through the sacrifice of Jesus, who is the Yom Kippur, he's the Passover, he's the daily sacrifice, he's the incense sacrifice. And his work, his redeeming power, covers up the smell, the putrid smell of sin. 
So that it goes up as incense is part of, uh, it's described in Revelation and other places as that's the vehicle for our prayers. That go up and in the fragrance in heaven, those prayers with knowing that we have faith in Jesus. It's like a sweet smelling fragrance to the Lord. He doesn't see and smell the, 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 uh, the putrid smell of sin. Amen? And that's, we're accepted by God. Our sin is transformed into forgiveness, into healing. And our relationship is atoned, at one with God. And this all happens because we're transforming ourselves to become more like Yeshua. There's many scriptures you can look up, but just take Ephesians 5, 2. It says, walk in love as the Messiah also loved us and gave himself for us, a sacrificial and fragrant offering to God. So now in the name of Jesus, when we pray, Father, forgive me, I've sinned. Father, thank you for bringing in healing, for bringing in prosperity, for bringing in blessing, for favor, for making my enemies to be at peace with me, for removing every obstacle, breaking every curse. Thank all of those prayers that go up in the name of Jesus are covered by the sacrifice of Jesus, a sweet-smelling fragrance to the Lord, and then all the promises of God become what? Yes and amen. I like this stuff. Inside the ark, another secret, were three main artifacts. And it gives us more insight into uh, the goodness, the mercy, the grace of God. God doesn't just have enough grace for a couple of us. He loves the whole world and his grace and mercy endures forever and ever and ever and ever. The ark contained the complete set of the Ten Commandments. But it also contained the broken set. This means something. You remember Moses chiseled out the second set. God himself made the first set. And then because of the golden calf disaster, Moses broke the the tablets. But those just weren't left on Mount Sinai. They were gathered up. They're in the ark. The second item in in the ark was the manna. The manna is a a symbol of uh, the miraculous. But it was also a reminder of the complaints that Israel had. Every, Is this all we gots to eat? Walter, when are we going to have something different? The third item was Aaron's staff that miraculously budded as a seal of approval of his leadership. But it was also a reminder of Korak's rebellion. So what you got going on here, on the one hand, the Ten Commandments, uh, the manna, the Aaron's uh, staff, all of those represented the miraculous, but they were also a reminder that man blows it a lot. 
And thank God we're covered by the mercy seat. That God doesn't bring all of that out and say, the truth is, Yom Kippur isn't about what the truth is. Yom Kippur is about, despite the truth, because you have been sincere in your heart to repent, I am going to show mercy despite all your shortcomings, sins, and failures, and mercy triumphs over judgment. Boom! James 2. That's good news. Why do you study all that stupid Old Testament stuff? Ain't so stupid, is it? If you call the Old Testament stupid, then the one that wrote it, what are you saying about him? Changes your perspective on appreciating that the Old Testament hasn't been abolished. That's the foundation for everything that we build on to understand the depth, the height, the width, the breadth of what Jesus has done. In fact, the, when was the very first Yom Kippur? The very first Yom Kippur was when Moses returned with the second set of tablets. The fact that God let Moses hewn out of the mountainside a second set of tablets is huge. Because God is saying, even though he actually, and it's written in Exodus... I'm done with these people. Let's start. I'm ready to start over. And Moses said, no, 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 please. If you blot them out, start with me. Blot me out. And whatever merit that I have earned serving you faithfully, apply that, that zehut you've heard pastor talk about, apply that to the children of Israel at this moment. And God said, yeah, I will. My mercy will triumph over my judgment. The truth is the golden calf is about as low as you. That's lower than a snake's belly in a wagon rut. The golden calf. And God forgave him of it. And on that first Yom Kippur, Moses came down with the second set of tablets. And what does it show? It shows, I've, I've forgiven you. Atonement is happening at one minute. I'm at one with you. We are reconciled. Things are restored. This is all a shadow and a type of what happens with Jesus. Except it's supercharged, right? It's like, uh, it's like on steroids now. And so we could go on and on and on. There's so much more that I'd like to get to about how Jesus is our eternal high priest. And again, read Hebrews 7, 8, 9, 10. Oh man, there's just so much. There's a part two and maybe a part three to this. Let me just try to get this done in two minutes. What's so amazing is that just right after the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, uh, something very strange happened in Israel in the temple that was a huge sign uh, from heaven. And uh, 
in previous generations for hundreds and hundreds of years, part of the Yom Kippur ceremony was to tie a crimson thread on the temple door. And pastor will get into this out of Leviticus 16 when the second sacrifice was, uh, uh, he put the high priest put his hands and released that uh, uh, that goat down into the wilderness. And when the when the second sacrifice died, the crimson thread that was tied to the temple gate went from red to white. This is Isaiah chapter one. Though your sins be what. As scarlet, I will what? Make them as white as snow. But right about that time that that Jesus uh, resurrected, a major sign, a major change happened in that the scarlet cord never turned white again. And there was, in fact, a whole bunch of signs. The uh, menorah center uh, candlestick of the menorah kept going out. The red heifer disappeared. The, uh, the chilazon that they used to create the blue thread from Numbers 15 that's on the tallit, all of a sudden that disappeared. And many other things were happening. I was telling Lydia this morning, man, you know, I'd hate to have been uh, one of the Levites working in the temple having to explain to my boss why the, Why does the eastern gate of the temple keep opening mysteriously at night? You're supposed to shut that, Scott. <laughs> I did! How come the, the red thread isn't turning white? Are you Jonah in this place, Scott? I thought you were supposed to keep the center candlestick lit at all times. It's the eternal flame. What are you doing? Are you sleeping on the jobs? It wasn't me! (laughs) And so, obviously, all of these signs that happened for 40 years until 70 AD, the destruction of the... were signs that there was a transformation taking place. That everything that we were doing before that I instituted, I'm now wanting all of that that was always meant to point you to Messiah. Now that the Messiah has come, I want to transition you out of looking at the menorah, but looking to Jesus as the living menorah. Now we don't need a Yom Kippur sacrifice. That's been transitioned. Now Jesus is the Yom Kippur sacrifice. And on and on and on and on. So now we have one mediator between God and man. And that's the Lord Jesus Christ. And our prayer is that this Yom Kippur, every curse is broken, every sin is forgiven, and you go into this new year uh, a clean slate, a new beginning. No devil's going to stop God's plan in your life. No man system, no antichrist spirit, no antifa spirit is going to block the blessing of God in your life. You are going to march into a new level of blessing and authority and wisdom and revelation and it's just going to keep building and building and building until the day of the Lord until the rapture comes if you receive that this morning give the Lord a big praise hallelujah